Welcome to your High Vibration Life podcast with Robin Openshaw, also known online as the Green Smoothie Girl. When you're living your high vibration life, you're healthier in every way. You're more productive, creative, peaceful, and loving. Your high vibration life is calling. And now your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, it's Robin Openshaw, and welcome back to your high vibration life. I have a really exciting subject for you today and someone to introduce you to who is just seriously one of my favorite people on the planet. I call him my brother and he may not be one of my actual six biological brothers, but I always call him my brother and I've been so excited to watch his career just go crazy. He's speaking on stages everywhere. He is coming out with something really exciting I want to tell you about. But the topic of our talk today with Chris Work is your high vibration life and cancer. Now, I know that that doesn't sound like a high vibration topic, but you're going to learn a lot here. I'm not going to tell his story and I'm not going to be a spoiler here. I want him to tell it. That's the backstory. But I want you to meet Chris Wark and hear about his incredible back to health story. So Chris, I'm just waiting for this interview. And it's kind of weird that I didn't tell the name of your website or anything much about you, but that's because we'll get to that in a bit. I want to start with taking you back 13 years ago. And so tell us about your life starting 13 years ago. Well, thanks, Robin. Yes, um, excited to do that. So 13 years ago, December 2003, I was diagnosed with stage 3C colon cancer. And I was 26, which, as you know, is pretty freaking weird for a 26-year-old to get a cancer that usually, you know, people get in their 60s, 70s, 80s. And uh, yeah, so completely took me by surprise. Uh, Wasn't expecting to have cancer or a cancer diagnosis. I'd had some abdominal pain, thought it was an ulcer. And, uh, you know, it kind of got worse and worse over the course of most of the year, really. And um, somewhere between six and nine months, you know, I, it, was, it had been bothering me. And then I finally got a colonoscopy, which you don't do when you're 26. But anyway, there it was, golf ball sized tumor. At that point, I was, um, you know, I was told, well, okay, you know, you got colon cancer. So they took a biopsy, called me a day later, and they said, yeah, it's definitely colon cancer, right? And we need to get you into surgery right away because this is going to spread and it's going to kill you if we don't cut it out. Now, I was a very typical cancer patient, completely clueless and was just like, okay, doc, whatever you say, you know, like freaked out and we um, just rushed into treatment. And now this was two days before Christmas, which I was like, look, I can't. I mean, they wanted to have me in surgery before the next day, right? And I was like, I can't like be in the hospital on Christmas. Can we just postpone this like a week? And they're like, yeah, that's fine. So I, I go in on December 30th. They cut out a third of my large intestine. I woke up after the surgery and they're like, uh, listen, it's worse than we thought. We thought you were stage two, you're stage three C and you're going to need nine to 12 months of chemotherapy. Now, the reason uh, is because Metastatic colon cancer is the second leading cause of cancer death in the U.S. The reason it's the second leading cause of cancer death is because surgery doesn't cure it and chemo doesn't either. But 
they said I needed nine to 12 months of chemotherapy. And at that time I didn't know anything about anything. So I was, you know, I was just like, okay, you know, I guess this is my life now. I'm, I'm a cancer patient now. I'm 26. And, you know, at that time, even growing up, I was, uh, you know, struggled with insecurity. I think a lot of people do, but, um, that was my most insecure moment right there. Right. You know, if you're ever insecure and then you get a cancer diagnosis, you're feeling really good about yourself. So a couple things happened in the hospital that really made me think uh, something's not right about this. And the first thing that happened was, you know, remember they cut out a third of my large intestine. Okay. Sewed it back together and then brought me some food. And the food they brought was a sloppy Joe, a sloppy Joe. They put it in front of me and I was just like, I mean, I just remember thinking like, what is this? Like what? I mean, I was on heavy, heavy pain drugs, right? And like, you know, everything was a total blur, but they put it in front of me and I'm just like, where am I? Is this summer camp? <laughs> like, why, why are they serving sloppy Joes to sick people in the hospital? I mean, this is such a crappy food that you can't even order it at a restaurant. <laughs> Am I right? You're right. Restaurants do not sell sloppy joes. Okay. So anyway, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm like, man, uh, like, you know, I did eat some of it. I was starving. I hadn't eaten in several days and all that. But I just remember thinking like, why in the world are they serving this to, to sick people and, and cancer patients? Me. The next little red flag that happened was the day I was you know, supposed to leave the hospital, the surgeon comes in to check on me and we had a little talk or whatever. And, you know, I was, I was, you know, kind of concerned, uh, about like what I was supposed to do when I got home. Right. I mean, they cut out part of my digestive system. So, I mean, everything you eat kind of goes through there. So, you know, I'm worried about, is there food I should eat or maybe avoid? And, uh, and so I'm like, hey, you know, is there any, any food I need to, to, you know, avoid? And he was like, nah, just don't lift anything heavier than a beer. Wow. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, okay. That, that's all we got to say about that. And uh, that was it. I mean, that was like his, his, you know, he's like, basically it doesn't matter what you eat, you know, just don't, don't strain yourself. And you, do you feel so, like this is typical for cancer patients? Oh, this is very typical. Now that you've talked yeah, to yeah. thousands of them. Yeah. They all get the same, they all get the same information from their doctor, which is it doesn't matter what you eat, go home and eat whatever you want. Nothing you did contributed to your disease. Therefore, nothing you can do matters. You just show up for your treatments and we'll take care of the rest. So you just enjoy as much ice cream, pizza, cheeseburgers, milkshakes, as much as you want. Make sure you get enough calories. That's all they're concerned about. Because chemo is going to make you so sick, you're not going to want to eat anything. You're going to lose a ton of weight. And so they want you to eat really high calorie food, which is junk food. I uh, went home. I was sleeping on the couch, and and sometime during those first few days of being home, you know, I was I, as I started to sober up, and I really wanted to get off the pain medication. Like I didn't like being doped up. You just had this instinct that like I needed to get off this pain medication. Well, I learned years later that morphine drugs promote metastasis, which is insane. And they're giving morphine drugs to cancer patients every day. Um, so anyway. Well, and what's the what's the food of cancer? Yeah, cancer loves sugar, but it is a little more complicated than that because cancer also feeds on cholesterol yep. and it, it requires iron. And also, 
um, can, you know, can run on fat. You know, people think it can't run on fat, but, but tumors can adapt and use fat for fuel. Okay. So I'm thinking about my life and about my next steps and I'm thinking about chemotherapy and, you know, the idea of poisoning my way back to health did not make sense to me. You know, I just couldn't see myself as a chemo patient, right? I mean, I was already bone thin in my instincts, my gut, my intuition, whatever you want to call it, was saying, don't do it. But I didn't know what else to do. Like I didn't have another option uh, and I didn't know anything about anything. So I prayed about it. My wife and I are Christians and we just prayed. And I was like, God, you know, I don't know what to do. This, uh, you know, this doesn't feel right. And if there's another way besides chemotherapy, just please show me. It's just a very like sincere help me prayer, you know? And two days later, a book shows up on my doorstep. And this, this book was sent to me from a man who lives in Alaska. I'm in Tennessee. And this guy was a business acquaintance of my dad. And he sends me this book. It's called God's Way to Ultimate Health. And um, you know, I'm like, oh, what's this about? So I start reading the book and I, I learned very quickly in the first chapter that the author was a, was a pastor, his wife, I mean, his mother had been diagnosed with colon cancer, went through all these treatments, suffered and died just a horrible death. And then he had seen a lot of his church members suffer and die from cancer treatment. Then he got a diagnosis of colon cancer in his fifties and refused treatment and had a, well, you know, he didn't really refuse it. He didn't know what to do. And he had a sort of a health nut buddy that was like, man, you need to get, you know, get on a raw food diet and start drinking a bunch of carrot juice. So he was like, well, I don't want to do what my mom did because the treatment didn't work for her and she suffered and all that. So he converted to a raw food diet and within a year, the tumor was gone. So, I, you know, I'm like, wow, like this is this is amazing. This, like, I can't believe this book showed up on my doorstep. (laughs) I'm pretty sure this is an answer to my prayer. So I got really excited about it. You know, and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. This is it. Like I asked for something and this is what showed up. So this is what I'm going to do. And, uh, I called my wife, she was at work and I was really excited and I was, you know, trying to tell her about the book and like, you know, it did, the conversation didn't go well. (laughs) Right. And so, you know, I'm like, I got this book and there's a raw, you know, this guy healed his cancer with a raw food diet. And, you know, uh, and, and we need to like get a juicer and I'm probably talking nine miles an hour. And my wife's like, what, what, like, okay, you know, you're still doing chemo, right? And I'm like, no, I don't want to do the chemo and you know, blah, blah. And so as soon as we have the phone, other family members are calling me. (laughs) They're calling me saying like, uh, we, Chris, we heard you're thinking about not doing chemo. Right. I know someone who did that and they died. You know, don't you think if the doctors had something better, they would be using it? Oh, my favorite question. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I just, I've only read the first two chapters of this book. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm like trying to believe that this is the answer to my prayer. And then everybody's telling me, like, nope, it's not. So things got really complicated in, in that moment because. I had this simple answer to prayer and that I was really excited about and I was full of faith. And then all of a sudden everyone around me is saying, no, no, that's not an answer to prayer. That that's a mistake. You don't do that. The only person in my life at the time that was sympathetic uh, was my mom. And my mom 
you know, my mom is like, uh, was like the green smoothie girl of the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, shopped at the health food store, had stacks and stacks of books written by everybody. I mean, the who's who of raw food and nutrition, Jack LaLanne, all the Paul Bragg books, of course, Pavo Areola. I mean, you name it. She had the sun food diet. I mean, she had this insane library of health in healing books and had never been sick. Like my mom never had any health issues at all. And, uh, but at the same time, she didn't raise me like a hippie. Like she bought like normal kind of food. Right. So, um, I, you know, she would, she was the kind of mom that would buy like wheat bread instead of white bread. And she would buy like the, the peanut butter you had to stir instead of the GIF, which I really wanted, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but anyway, I still ate what I would consider a pretty, pretty Western diet growing up. So I tell my mom about this book and she's like, oh yeah, well, I've got, you know, I've, I've got some, I've got some books and I've really been thinking and praying about your situation. And, you know, I've got some books that I think you should take a look at. So I, you know, it was, it's just a, there was, it's just amazing sort of confirmation, you know, that my mom had been storing up all these books her whole life since the early seventies you know, and here it was 2003. So 30 years of books. So I kind of went from book to book, right? And, and by the way, at that time, the internet was not helpful. Like I got on the internet and most of us don't remember that the internet in 2003 was like pretty crappy and there was no social media. There were no videos on the internet in 2003. There were a few websites about like alternative cancer therapies, but they were really sketchy. And like, you know, some guy just kind of hacked together in his garage kind of websites and, and not very like didn't inspire much confidence. So <clears throat> all I had were just sort of, you know, a handful of books to start with. It just started with one person's testimonial. That was all I needed. And it was enough for me. But, um, but again, I mean, you know, everybody around me is just scared. So I reluctantly agree to go see the oncologist and we go to the clinic and the parking lot's packed, go in the waiting room, it's packed. And, you know, it was kind of like, it reminded me of the first day I went to three high schools and it reminded me of like that kind of first day of school like when you walk in into the lunchroom and you're kind of looking around like, oh, okay, who's in here? Like anybody like me, I can sit by, you know, I'm scanning the room and, you know, it's like, well, you're in the cancer club now. So who else is in here? And it was all old people. Now, nothing against old people, but I was 26, like kind of shag rock dude, hair, handlebar mustache. I'm a musician too. So I've been playing in bands and toured and do all, you know, done all that stuff. And, yeah, I'm looking around. I'm like, there's nobody in here like me at all. And we sit down and we're watching the morning show, whatever, whichever one it was. And out comes Jack LaLanne. And he comes out and, and you know, they're interviewing about something. I don't even know what, but he just starts going off, right? I mean, he's like 5'2". He's real stocky. And he's was probably in his 80s at that time and was just passionate about nutrition and fitness and health. And he was just going on and on about the reason we're all sick is because we're eating all this man-made processed food and we've got to get back to whole foods from the earth, fruits and vegetables, especially raw and juicing. And he said, if man made it, don't eat it. And I could not believe it was, I mean, I was glued to the television. I could not believe it was on at that moment 
when I was in the waiting room. So I turned to my wife. I'm like, can you believe this is on right now? And she's like, that's pretty weird. So we go back and see the oncologist and the meeting did not go well. You know, this guy comes out and he's like, you know, obviously he's flipped through my chart and he's like, okay, you know, you've got stage 3C colon cancer. You're going to need uh, 5-FU and leucovorin chemotherapy. B- by the way, 5-FU chemotherapy, fluorocil has been around for 60 yep. years. Yeah, so much for cutting edge cancer yeah. treatment, they've, right? They've been, they've been using that stuff for 60 years. Nothing better has come along in 60 years. I didn't know that at the time, learned it later. But Well, and that, and that was 13 years ago and they're still prescribing it. It's, it's bananas. Yeah, that was 13 years ago. They still, they're still prescribing 5-FU. So anyway, uh, but he says, here's what, you know, here's, here's what the chemo you're going to get. And, you know, you're going to get sick and you know, you're not going to feel good. Your hair's going to lose your hair and stuff. The, the standard pitch. And I had been on the raw food diet for a week. And, you know, we were just, you know, he's telling me this stuff. And, and at some point I said, well, you know, what about the raw food diet? Can I, can I do that while I do chemo? And he says, uh, no, 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 that'll fight the chemo. You can't do that. And I'm like, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> and then, then he said, then I said, well, are there any alternative therapies available? And he's at that moment, his demeanor changed. Like it was like, you know, flipping a switch. And he became very arrogant and condescending. And he looked at me dead in the eye and he said, no, if you don't do chemo, you're insane. And just a wave of fear came over me. I mean, it was just like, and then he's just talking, you know, down to me and I don't even hear what he's saying. It's all, everything's getting blurry. And when you're afraid, your stress hormones start pumping. And when your stress hormones pump, um, adrenaline and cortisol, when they circulate through your body, they, they actually cause physiological, physiological changes in your body. And one of them is they affect your brain function, right? You don't think clearly or rationally or logically your emotions take over and you become very animalistic. And so, and your memory doesn't work very well, you know? So I don't know, even know what all he said to me. He was just talking and I was just like in a daze. And then, but one thing popped out, he's talking, he's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden he's like, and look, man, I'm not saying this cause I need your business. And I was like, whoa, hang on. Wait, what just happened? I was in sales for years. And one of the first things they taught me in sales was a technique called the push away. <laughs> and the push away is where you, you know, you act like you don't need their business, right? Mm-hmm. You kind of, you, you, you know, you're selling, but then you kind of take it away. I don't need your business. And so I'm like, this dude just did the push away to me right now. Like, <laughs> what the? What's going on? I didn't like, I, what is it? You know, what does business have to do with cancer treatment? I thought doctors were like angels or something. So were, were you aware at the time that he would get part of the chemotherapy paid for by your insurance? (laughs) No, no. So at that time I did not know. Part of the dollars. I mean, yeah. Private practice oncologists make up to 60% of their income from the profit off of chemotherapy drugs because they buy the drugs direct from the manufacturer, mark them up, and then sell them to you, aka bill your insurance company. And they get this really nice profit margin on the top. So they have a, a very strong incentive to prescribe chemotherapy because that's where they make their dough. So I, I didn't know that. 
uh, <laughs> did not know anything about the cancer industry or the business of oncology at that moment. I just knew he said a couple weird things to me that didn't sit right. Now, having said all that, even though I got these clues in the moment, I was still really fearful and stressed, right? I mean, this really stressful, you know, conversation, confrontational conversation with the doctor. And, and so he, you know, he kind of finishes his diatribe or whatever. And we're like, okay, so we get up, we leave the little office and I, I like a robot. I just go straight to the desk and make an appointment to get a port put in to start chemo. And then we walk out to my wife's car and got in her car and sat there and held hands and cried. And, and I just like choked through a prayer, you know, because I was so discouraged and, and afraid. I went into that clinic confident in what I was doing and feeling really good about what I was doing. And I walked out of there terrified. And that's, that's what happens to most cancer patients. I mean, not that they walk in on a raw food diet, but they, the, the cancer industry, a lot of, a lot of people, and I'm, I have to be careful. I don't want to just demonize the whole industry or every doctor, but I've talked to a lot of patients and they report back to me and I hear it over and over and over is doctors use fear to motivate them to take action. Right. And the, the pitch is if you don't do what I say, you're going to die. Right. That's basically the best sales pitch there ever was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what the biggest motivator in the world is the fear of death. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, uh, so anyway, so we, um, we, we go home and I really thank God that I had uh, time. I had three weeks before I was going to start chemotherapy because I was still healing from the surgery. And, uh, so I had time to like, you know, kind of get my wits about me. The next day I went and saw, I, f I heard about a, a nutritionist naturopath guy in Memphis and I went and saw him. And so I meet with him and, you know, we talk about everything and I tell him what I'm doing. And I said, yeah, I'm on this raw food diet. And I read this book. He said, oh, I know I've, I've read the book. I know all about it. And uh, you made the right decision. You're doing the right thing. And he was the first person to tell me that. And it was a huge I mean, it was a huge confidence booster to have someone validate what I was doing. Like, I love my mom, but like, you know, mom doesn't really count because it's your mom, you know, especially when you're an only child, they think everything you do is fantastic. And then uh, he connected me with an integrative oncologist named Dr. Roy Page. Now, now he's deceased now, but Dr. Page had come out of retirement in his 70s because he didn't like being retired. Like he just liked being a doctor. And Dr. Page was a surgical oncologist, but he did some integrative therapy because he had spent a lifetime treating cancer patients with chemo and surgery and watching it fail them. He just really cared about people and he wanted to try to find non-toxic therapies that could help boost their immune system and just help them like get well. Anyway, so... Uh, I connected with him and did a consultation. In our first meeting, he was very, you know, he was sort of uh, very guarded about what he would say to me. And uh, he just said, well, you know, the standard treatment for your type of cancer is, you know, chemotherapy or whatever. And I said, yeah, I've just, I've decided I don't want to do that. And uh, he was like, okay. And that was the last time he ever brought it up. So he did IV vitamin C 
therapy, high dose IV vitamin C, like between 40 and 60 grams dripped over two hours. So we did a lot of those treatments. He ordered blood work for me, ordered a few CT scans about every six months for the first couple of years. And we were just keeping very, a very close eye on my blood and my body to make sure that what I was doing was working. He was concerned, right? I mean, he just knew the odds were not in my favor and that a, a recurrence was imminent. So I should mention that there's been some really fascinating developments in cancer research. And even just this past year, um, a really fantastic study came out where they we now know with absolute certainty that once a, a cancer site in the body is big enough to detect, which would be like a millimeter, which has, you know, a hundred million cells or more in it. You already have metastasis. Hmm. Yeah, there's so there's no there is no stage one cancer ever caught, right? That's, that's right. And I, you know, I first heard this from our mutual friend, Doctor Thomas Lodi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I first heard this from him years ago, and I was like, "Wow, really?" But it's true. Stage one is metastatic because. Um, circulating tumor cells and circulating stem cells leave the primary tumor site very early before it's even stage one. They leave and they they will you know find new places to hang out in other parts of the body like bone marrow or other organs or whatever. So um, that's why surgery doesn't cure most cancers because those those uh, circulating tumor cells have already spread. They're already in other parts of the body. So what has to happen is we all know that your immune system is the reason you don't have tumors. But this is not a new concept. This concept is, goes back to Hippocrates, you know, or even further, that your body can heal, right? If your body created it, your body can heal it if you give it the proper nutrients and care. And so, uh, so yes, it's all about the immune system. And, uh, and there's many components to health and healing, but A, nutrition supplies your body with the raw materials that it can use to repair regenerate, detoxify. And so for me, it was a long process of overdosing on nutrition, which was my basic strategy (laughs) and detoxification, you know, which happens anyway, when you stop putting toxins in your body will, will, will flush things out. I mean, it's flushing things out every day, whether you like it or not, it's always detoxifying, but can you stop for a second and tell us in your studies, like if we cut to the chase, what is the cancer preventative diet and what is the cancer causing diet? Well, you'll have to buy my book to find out. Of course. And actually, before you answer that question, I should say... There's no book, listeners. Well, there's no book, but I'll tell you, better than a book, more concise, more dialed in, and we're going to send you to it right now and also put in the show notes. Chris has a resource that I think is possibly the most helpful thing I've ever read about cancer prevention, and it's called 20 Questions for Your Oncologist. And you can get it at greensmoothiegirl.com slash Chris. Okay, greensmoothiegirl.com slash Chris. And the thing I love about it is it's not just so that you can walk in and please go get it even if you don't have cancer or your sister doesn't have cancer or your mom doesn't have cancer. Because, you know, I, I want you to go get that and have it even if you don't have cancer, nobody close to you has cancer. Because if one in two of us is getting cancer, having that isn't just a good thing to read before you go meet with an oncologist who's going to, you know, like do some witchcraft on you and make a death sentence on you so that you buy the chemo. But it's also like just reading the questions will give you a massive education 
in what to know about cancer in general, he's totally like underselling that it's more than 20 questions and nobody's going to be able to ask an oncologist all those questions, even in a two hour appointment. But you do want to say to your oncologist, I need, I need two hours with you. What's it going to take? Tell us the, so greensmoothiegirl.com slash Chris to make it easy for you. Get that 20 questions for oncologist. Chris has finally, I'm so excited about this. I've gone through the whole thing because I'm a total, I'm a cancer researcher and sort of a cancer junkie. And so, so much of my family has been affected by cancer. I've gone through his whole course before he, before he launched it, but he's finally put together the cancer course of what he did A to Z, getting rid of all the frou-frou and all the fluff and all the stuff he doesn't think made a difference. And it's just, it's called square one. And he is basically showing you exactly what to do, holding your hand along the way. It's video. It is so nurturing. You can tell he's really funny. So I, w- I want you to know that that resource is there for you. And I want everyone to have it, even if cancer has not been part of your world yet. But tell us what a cancer preventative or a cancer treatment diet looks like and what the crappy diet is, the worst of the bad that cause cancer. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the big plug. Um, You know, the 20 questions guide, if anybody missed this, it's free, right? And I created it because so many cancer patients, myself included, go into their oncologist, they go to see the doctor and they have no idea what's about to happen to them. And they don't know the right questions to ask. And guess what? Doctors are busy and they skip a lot of important details, They just tell you the basic stuff like, oh, you're going to need chemo. Your hair is going to fall out. You're not going to feel good. We have some other drugs to maybe help you with the nausea and stuff. And like, you know, that's about it. And there are so many critical questions that if you ask them, you'll get very surprising answers that may lead you to make some very different decisions. So you really absolutely need to know um, what you're getting into before you sort of sign your life over to someone who wouldn't remember your name if they saw you in the grocery store next week. So <clears throat> that's the purpose of the 20 questions guide. It's a one hour audio and you can download the transcript and read it if you prefer to read it. But anyway, yeah, get that. Um, now the diet. So what I did was I converted to a raw vegan diet. So hundred percent raw fruits and vegetables. And the premise was that uh, in the first book I read was that like, look, God created the earth and everything we need comes from the earth. So I was like, this is kind of crazy. And I'd never heard of the raw diet. I mean, this was 2003. Nobody was talking about the raw food diet. It was not cool Mm -hmm. or hip. There were no hip young 20 somethings on a raw food diet, at least on the internet, you know, and all the raw food people I, you know, came across during that time were just like kind of old and weird. (laughs) So like, I didn't feel like a cool, awesome dude. Uh, But I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. So what I did was, um, you know, I, I got this book and I'm starting to figure out, okay, how, how am I going to do this? I got a juicer. I started making 64 ounces of vegetable juice every morning and I would drink it throughout the day. So it's about eight, eight ounce servings of vegetable juice, mostly carrot juice. But then I ended up kind of improving the formula with some help from my nutritionist naturopath. We added beet to it and celery and ginger root. Uh, now my sort of amped up formula also includes lemon juice, green apple, turmeric root, and then garlic. So that's a super potent, like amped up version. But the point is I was drinking 64 ounces of juice every morning. I mean, all day, making it in the morning, drinking it all day. And then for lunch, I made a giant salad. So in the beginning, I got some raw food cookbooks and I was trying to figure out like, how how am I going to do this? 
And I realized pretty early on that I don't like to cook. Uh, and all these raw food books had like all these steps, you know, like you got to buy a dehydrator and then you make these raw crackers or you make like a raw pizza crust or something. I don't know. And so I was like looking at all these recipes like this is a lot of work. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to be able to keep this up. So I had to really distill it down just, just to the simplest daily protocol. And because I knew my own limitations, I like, I'm going to fail at this if I don't make it so ultra simple that I can just do it every day without thinking about it. Just make it just sort of like a mindless, um, practice. Right. So I, um, I realized like, okay, I want to be overdosing on nutrition. I want to be getting like every vegetable (laughs) on earth, not possible, but a long list of vegetables in my body every day, twice a day. And the only way to do that is a giant salad. Because raw food recipes usually don't have that many ingredients. They're not, not like a salad would. So I took all the most potent anti-cancer vegetables that we know from nutritional science are the most potent. And I didn't even know that at the time. I was just really running on instinct and some claims that people made in books before we had good nutritional science about this. But I would put you know, uh, start with you know spinach or kale, some kind of leafy green, broccoli, cauliflower, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, red cabbage, red onion, mushrooms, peppers, lots of garlic powder, oregano, uh, turmeric powder, curry powder. And then uh, I would top it with sprouts. I would sprout beans like mung beans or lentils uh, or garbanzo beans. I'd throw some nuts on there, almonds or walnuts, uh, some days an avocado. And I'd just make this monster salad. And then I would use a homemade dressing, which is super easy, apple cider vinegar, brag, of course, and then a brag olive oil, which I don't think the olive oil is really necessary anymore. But at the time I used olive oil and, and apple cider vinegar, like an oil and vinegar, and uh, even a squeeze of lemon juice on top of the salad. And it, it will just, it will knock you out. It is so good. And it's just delicious. So many spices and vegetables in there. I mean, it's just like, it's everyone I've ever made it for is like, whoa, this is great. So <clears throat> anyway, you can Google giant cancer fighting salad and you'll find a, a video of me making it from years ago. Well, it, you really can't do any better than that. I mean, you just named about 40 of the most anti-cancer yeah. foods there are that are available to us. And, and yeah. what, a, what a miracle that we can get this stuff year round, like 365 days a year in at, at five grocery stores within five miles of your house. You know, everything isn't bad in the world these days. Like when has that ever been a possibility for people? We have at our disposal a lot of tools to rehabilitate our immune system and feed it what it needs to get on top again. Absolutely. And, you know, back then, uh, I had one, there was only one place in town that sold organic produce that was Whole Foods. Now you can get it everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's It's a great time to eat healthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I buy giant bags of organic berries at Costco now. I mean, everything's pre-washed. It's like triple washed now. It's like so easy to eat healthy now. Yeah, it's way better. So all I have is Whole Foods. I was, I was, my grocery bill tripled back then because it really was super, ex- way more expensive comparatively than it is now. But to me, you know, at that time, I just made a decision. This is the most important thing I can spend my money on. The most important thing is on food. This is like, I was looking at it like food and nutrition is what's going to help me. Food is medicine, right? And so, I created this very simple plan, juicing every day, giant salad for lunch and dinner. And then I started incorporating a fruit smoothie. I would get fresh organic. Of course, I went 100% organic. And that's really important because 
when you eat conventional produce, you're eating pesticides, herbicides, and fungicides and other kinds of toxic chemical fertilizer stuff. So you want to reduce your toxic load as much as possible when you're trying to heal or if you just want to stay well. And so, yeah, everything was organic, no exceptions. So anyway, we know now that berries are the most potent anti-cancer fruits because berries are rich in anthocyanins and elagic acid and all these wonderful anti-cancer compounds. And, and let me back up to the, the vegetables. Cruciferous vegetables and allium family, which is garlic, onions, and leeks, are the most potent anti-cancer vegetables. And there's a number of reasons why and, and specific compounds like allicin, which is in garlic, and, um, but in cruciferous vegetables, there's two that are worth mentioning. One is sulforaphane. And sulforaphane is a liver detoxifier. It's the most potent liver detoxifier known in food. And broccoli sprouts have the highest concentration of sulforaphane. And so you want to eat broccoli sprouts every day. Um, but yeah, as much cruciferous vegetables as you can get, get in your body every day is, is just awesome for you. But they also have a compound called indole-3-carbonyl. And indole-3-carbonyl activates the, um, uh, basically your intraepithelial lymphocytes, which are immune cells in your gut. It's your, your body's first line of defense. And so, uh, it, it, it like, it's almost like, um, it wakes them up and tells them like, Hey, like get on patrol. So, um, I didn't know any of this back then. And then like, once I started to find the nutritional science about it, I was like, well, okay, well that explains why this helped me get well. So I created this protocol and I just stuck with it like every single day, no exceptions. And it, I became really efficient, all right? Because I knew exactly what to buy at the grocery store. I didn't have to plan my meals because I knew what they were going to be. And I ate every single thing I bought, which is like amazing because you know how much food we typically throw away? I heard an expression uh, that I stole uh, from Jeff Walker. He, he probably stole from someone else, but 100% is easy. 99% is hard. And I, I, I mean, as soon as he said it, I was like, that is the truest statement ever spoken. <laughs> because for me, yeah, I went 100% all the way and it was easy. But, you know, when people try to make little changes, like it's not going to help you. You know, well, and when you you're, 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 you know, you get, got this play here. Well, I'm going to eat some sugar and I'm going to drink some alcohol and I'm going to do these things. And, you know, I've actually, since you said that to me the first time, not long ago, I've totally ripped it off and I've been repeating it and pretending like it's my <laughs> own quote. No, not, not really pretending like it's my okay. own quote. just wanted to let your story play out because it's astonishing. Fast forward 13 years, everyone, I saw Chris post on his Facebook page um, just in the last few weeks, this is my 13th year cancer anniversary. And what yeah. are, what are the statistics, Chris, had you, you know, cause you were talking about how, yeah. how bad the outcomes are for people in their twenties who have stage three C cancer, but you know what, there's no, there's no control group to study who did what you did. Cause nobody yeah, doesn't is. do it. Nobody, nobody opts out of chemotherapy and radiation. I mean, what you did is a one in a million thing. So what are the, what were, what are the odds now you've gone back and you've looked at these statistics. If you have stage three C colon cancer, and then you inject your veins with all kinds of heavy metals and carcinogens 
and then you radiate yourself potentially. What is the outcome for someone to survive 10 years? I mean, oncology doesn't talk about cure anymore. That's like irresponsible. They all, they all see it that way. How many people with stage three C cancer who do the standard of care, how many of them live 10 years? Yeah. It's, well, you know, I wish I had an easy answer for it, but, but there isn't an easy answer because age has a big, is a big factor on how old they are when they're diagnosed, whether they're stage three, A, B, or C. And, um, there's so many other factors at play, but, but for me, from all the research I've done, I had about a 28% chance of being alive in five years and, and a less than 20% chance, like maybe 16 to 18% chance of being alive in 10 years. Cause there's a lot of other factors, like even just if the tumor's on your right side, you have a lower chance of survival and the tumor was on my right side. So there's other, there's like all these other little, um, factors, variables that, that play into it. But every, every single one of them was stacked against me. And, um, and here I am. And so why I believe I'm here is not because I got lucky. It's not because surgery cured me because surgery isn't curing metastatic colon cancer for people. Like I said in the beginning, it's the second leading cause of cancer death. The difference was because I took massive action. I changed everything and I rebuilt my body. So I changed my internal terrain. And this is this is a medically documented uh, expression. But when you when you read um, cancer research, they talk about uh, whether or not the, the internal terrain is hospitable to cancer growth. Yeah. So I changed my internal terrain through nutrition and made it inhospitable to cancer growth, right? So it wasn't the one supplement I did or it wasn't the one therapy. It was, I did everything. I changed my whole life. And I do have to say, it wasn't just physical, right? It was mental, emotional, and spiritual. So those are the things that a lot of people, a lot of patients don't even consider. They don't even consider that their thoughts and their attitude and their unforgiveness and their stress are really the root cause of their disease. Because um, stress leads us to destructive behavior and destructive thoughts lead to stress and stress causes immunosuppression in the body and it increases inflammation in the body. And so I had to get like really honest with myself and had to start, you know, really loving myself because I I secretly hated myself. If you're really insecure and you secretly hate yourself, well, you're hating your body, right? And your body is going to respond. You know, if you hate it, it's going to get sick right? It's not going to thrive. And uh, that was a problem for me. My body wasn't thriving. You know, it was like, I'm dying at 26. What the heck's going on? Uh, and I, I realized I had a lot of, um, a bitterness and resentment in my life toward people that had hurt me. And, you know, I was never abused. I had like a great childhood, but you know, we all, we all get hurt by people. We get cheated. We get, um, lied to people betray our trust. People dump us as friends or as boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever, you know? Uh, and of course, worse things, uh, some people have to live through, but I just realized, man, you know, I'm carrying a lot of unhappiness and negativity and I need to like catch those thoughts when they happen and change them. Right. And choose to think positively about people and choose to forgive and not let negativity run my life. And which ooh. really which really goes to the whole theme that we talk about here on Your High Vibration Life. We've talked a lot in past episodes 
about how low vibration emotions actually cause our cells to vibrate lower, which makes mm. us, you know, really susceptible to cancer. And when we vibrate high and strong and clean, we generally are do that. Generally, that's because not just we ate our big giant salad with sprouts on it. And we understand that, you know, broccoli sprouts are one of the most powerful foods there are. And we, we use our turmeric and all of our, you know, food strategies, but we're also choosing into high vibration emotions. And I've seen you become a person who is magnetically attracting other high vibration people. And you're so, you're so willing to own it. And, you know, since I've been through your whole cancer course before you've released it, I feel like you don't, you take people just literally A to Z and you don't just leave it at the diet and the supplements. I think the supplement stuff that you take people through in your cancer course is incredible because if you start diving into that, cause I've, I've, you and I both gone deep into the rabbit hole of studying oh, yes. <laughs> non-toxic cancer treatment. You, you even more than me. And, and I know a lot about non-toxic cancer treatment. I've been all over the world for years on my own dime, completely fascinated by it. So of course, of course I want Chris in my orbit, but you go through, here's the, here's the supplements that I did in the, my first stage. And here's, and then later there's more supplements that you might want to consider, but you know, he's like a 26 year old just out of college and he's doing this on a, on a budget and, you know, he wasn't made of money and he wasn't being bankrolled by millionaire daddy or whatever. And, and he doesn't stop at just the food and just the supplements. He also takes you through in such a compassionate way. Chris shows you what he did and, and chose to get really real about people who had wronged him and how that was actually creating part of the climate where cancer was able to get the upper hand. And you take people through what they have to do. They have to forgive. They have to forgive. And I'll tell you, you know, some of the most powerful health promoting healing therapies are free. They're free. Mm-hmm. Fasting is free. Forgiveness is free. <laughs> Exercise is free. Deep breathing is free. Affirmations, you know, like we're encouraging yourself is free. These are things that don't cost any money. Like you don't have to pay anyone to, you know, to to do them and uh, you don't have to buy anything. Like, and so even just changing your diet now, I mean, the difference between an organic diet and a standard American diet, I mean, it's, you're going to spend a little more, but not much, right? Well, because a lot of the things that are cancer causing are very expensive. So we know based on, you know, there are so much research now that is so fantastic on the healthiest cultures around the world. And so we know without a doubt that there are dozens and dozens of countries with much lower cancer rates than the United States. And Mexico has half the cancer rates of the United States. You know, but if you go to South America, if you go to India, if you go to China, if you go to rural Africa and um, uh, Southeast Asia and the Mediterranean, the cancer rates are way lower for almost all of the Western cancers. Yeah, uh, very, colon, very colon, poor countries. Breast, prostate, lung. And so why are the cancer rates so low in these poor countries? Well, it's because number one, they're eating a pauper's diet. Yeah. They're eating whole foods from the earth. Very simple, humble diet. Well, what, what is it? What are they eating? What's the secret? They're eating rice, beans, potatoes, lentils, peas, corn. They're eating starches. I know it's it's like people are just like 
flipping out right now. Oh no, carbohydrates. They're, they're eating a high carbohydrate, high starch diet, pl- lots of fruit when it's in season, as much fruit as they can eat, and very little meat or dairy. Because meat and dairy, unlike the US where you it's everywhere, if you're in a poor country, meat and dairy are scarce. They're scarcities. They're not subsidized by the government and they're expensive. And most poor cultures, you know, if you're, if you raise livestock, you can't just go kill a chicken every night for dinner because you're going to run out of chickens. Yeah. You say, you save that little guy underneath your bed in your tiny little hut. I mean, I've been to these nations all over the world that, you know, you save it for twice a year when, you know, some important dignitary comes to town. You don't have it every night. They say that's exactly right. And if they have a chicken that's laying eggs, yeah, okay, you get a few eggs a week from the chicken or whatever. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, dairy is is very rare. And um, and of course, beef is, you know, in India, they don't eat beef at all because they worship the cow. Um, and most of the Indian culture is vegetarian. They also eat a lot of root vegetables. So of course, carrots and beets, cabbage is, is fantastic, turnips, stuff like that. Well, um, let, let's and- let's talk really fast. When you said they eat a high carbohydrate, high starch diet, let's pause for one quick second because the diet industry has a done a number on your brain. And people the last 15 years since the current reigning food cult is to vilify carbohydrates Let's just pause there for a second. They're not eating Wonder Bread. They're not eating white rice. They're eating, when he says starches and carbohydrates, brown rice, wild rice, legumes, these whole foods are the starches and carbohydrates he's talking about. And carbohydrates are good food. It's just when we process them that they're a problem. Absolutely right. You know, uh, carbs, you know, carbs that are healthy are, were not, um, potato chips, French fries, and like, you know, Pepsi, right? <laughs> like, and whatever, like candy bars and stuff that people eat. Uh, no, right. They're eating whole foods from the earth, starchy vegetables. And, um, those are wonderful health promoting foods. So, um, those cultures, again, eat very little meat and dairy, of course, no processed food, no junk food and, and tons of plant food. And so it's, it has a dramatic effect on their health. They have not only low rates of most Western cancers that are dietary cancers like colon cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer, but also they have super low rates of heart disease, mm-hmm. Crohn's disease, colitis, appendicitis, ulcers, hemorrhoids. I mean, all of these Western diseases, not to mention thyroid disease, which is huge now, and autoimmune disease, many of these diseases are, are extremely rare in developing countries that haven't adopted our Western diet and lifestyle. Now, there are a couple other components I got to touch on. One is the, typically poor people are getting more fresh air, more sunshine, and more exercise, right? Because they're not driving or riding the subway somewhere, right? They're working. They're doing manual labor outside and they're active. We're very sedentary. So all of these factors, including them having lower stress because they're not in this fast-paced, crazy modern world trying to keep up with the Joneses, all of those factors together promote health and longevity. So we haven't even talked about my website, but six years ago, I, st- I went public. So 2010, I started Chris Beat Cancer. And that's the blog that I just thought, well, you know, gosh, it's been seven years. I'm still here. Like, you know, people kept asking me like, what did you, how, you're still alive? Like, what did you do? You didn't do chemo? <laughs> like, you know, and so I'm like, uh, I guess like I should maybe like tell somebody about this because it seems like important. <laughs> so I was like, I'll start, what's a, I don't know, maybe I'll start a blog, whatever that is. So I, I just started writing 
and uh, about, you know, just sort of documenting like what I did and trying to explain what I did just for my friends really. And people I knew on Facebook when it was in its infancy. And, um, and then I started making videos and talking about health and nutrition and things. And then people started coming out of the woodwork saying like, you know, like tell me more help. Can you help me? Like, or, Hey, I healed my cancer too in 1980. And I'm like, what can I interview you? So the site has grown a lot in six years and now it gets, you know, last year, I don't know, two and a half million visitors. And so I've compiled, you know, a 50 plus interviews now with people who've healed cancer like me with nutrition and natural non-toxic therapies. Some of them refused all treatment. Some of them went through all the treatment and it failed them and they still got well at stage four. I mean, there's just these, these amazing, remarkable stories from just real people you know, most of them don't have books or anything to sell you. They just have this incredible uh, life story and healing story that they want to share with the world. Well, um, and he does he does fantastic interviews and he really gets people to tell their stories that are not just beautiful and miraculous, but also just the heart of this devastating diagnosis and that they receive. And then how they come out on the other side and they have so much to share. And he really did this. He really does this deal. I've eaten with him. I've been away at conferences. I, we, we share tips on how we eat. And Chris isn't as pure now as he was. My grandmother wasn't either. My grandmother didn't stay as, as rigorous as she, she did in that first two years when she was literally just starving cancer out. Right, Chris? I mean... Yeah, no. So I'm glad you brought that up too, because I don't want people to think I'm a, a raw foodist. Uh, I was 100% raw for 90 days. Then we added uh, 20% cooked food back to my diet because I just needed more calories. So um, the raw food diet's amazing if you're if you have a l- extra weight to lose because it's so low in calories, but it's rich in nutrition. And so the extra weight will just come off. Like it'll just come off really fast. But if you have a super high metabolism like I did, then you realize really quickly, like, uh-oh, like I'm not getting enough calories every day. So we added cooked food, like I mentioned, lentils, sweet potatoes, brown, black, red rice, um, quinoa, you know, so some good healthy starches. And that made a huge difference. My nutritionist also recommended I add one to two servings of what we call clean meat now, right? Wild caught salmon or organic lamb were his two sort of recommendations, which I did for a, for a time. I still eat a plant-based diet. It's about 98% plant-based. So I'm still very, very serious about eating a plant-based diet because of the tremendous health benefits of it. And um, But I, yeah, I give myself... It's been 13 years. Yes, I give myself freedom to enjoy something that would be considered not healthy, what I call recreational food. <laughs> so every once in a while, like with the take the kids out for ice cream or something, you know. But but yeah, I just I've held myself to a very high standard because not just because I'm afraid of a recurrence, because I'm I'm pretty far past that now, but my odds are the same as anybody else's of, of getting heart disease or cancer in my 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And uh, and I don't want to get those diseases. So that's why I make the choices I make now. To wrap this up, I want to pull one sort of might seem strange point. This gentleman in Alaska, th- this really struck me this time I heard your story. This yeah. gentleman in Alaska who sends a young guy in Tennessee he doesn't know a book. Yeah. I just want to point out the impact that our acts of service can have on others. And I think we have opportunities to do service like this and to be a spokesperson for God or the universe or however you see it. Either way, either way, God and the the, the universe are up leveling and our high vibration. And that guy felt called to share something with you that completely changed your life. And you are now changing millions of lives. 
And I also want to point out one other thing, and that is how Chris's emotional response to life changed. And he was serious about changing that. He's a guy now that you just have so much fun talking to. He's fun. He's kind. He has stopped doing real estate so that he can be of service to cancer patients, people being diagnosed, millions of people all over the world every year who need the kind of inspiration and hope that he brings to them through other people's stories. Cause there are truly thousands and thousands of people who've beat cancer the way Chris did. Um, he lives in the high vibration emotions. He's serious about that. And so I have one more, it's kind of a weird one to end on Chris, but I actually want to go back to something you said early on and have yeah. this be your last question. You, you were talking about how, when you were diagnosed, you, your family said to you, and I honestly believe that people who, for whom this is all new information, that people beat cancer all the time, you said people said to you, and honestly, if you didn't have the background and aren't, weren't way down the bunny trail like we are, some people were saying to you, don't you think if the doctors had something better that they would tell you? Can you just address that before we end tonight? Uh, yeah. So it, it helps to understand that the cancer industry um, is basically uh, was created by the pharmaceutical industry. And so they're only interested in therapies that, and drugs, obviously drug therapies that can be patented and sold for high profits. And so they ignore all of the amazing nutritional science research on the anti-cancer compounds that are so like incredible anti-cancer compounds in turmeric and garlic and cruciferous vegetables and berries and green tea. There's mounds of research on, you just go to PubMed and type in turmeric and cancer, garlic cancer, you know, um, blueberries cancer, green tea cancer, and you'll see all this incredible research. But the problem is, you know, you've got independent scientists that do the research and they make these amazing discoveries. But then the pharmaceutical industry, you know, basically they look at it and like, okay, well, you know, can't do anything with that because we can't make any money on blueberries. So that's the reason that we don't find nutrition incorporated into cancer treatment and that you don't see any natural compound used in medicine. You realize everything used in medicine was is a patented drug or was a patented drug and now it's a generic. Yep. And, uh, and so it's, you know... It, I know I'm not trying to demonize the doctors or the industry, but look, it's just sort of an industry, uh, a conspiracy of greed, I guess you could say. It's it's just capitalism, right? It's like we want to make money, as much money as possible. The only way to make money is through procedures like surgery, treatments like radiation, which is crazy expensive equipment, obviously, and um, and uh, and drug therapies. That's where the money is. And it costs a billion dollars on average for a drug to get approved for use in cancer treatment to go through phase three clinical trials. So, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to take green tea extract, spend a billion dollars to take it through phase three clinical trials? Like, who is going to do that? Nobody. So, that's why you hear doctors say, well, we don't have any evidence that nutrition works or that that helps. Yeah, you're right, because it's so freaking expensive to, quote unquote, get human clinical trial evidence. So when they say we don't have evidence, it, it doesn't mean uh, it, we tried it and it didn't work. It means no one has funded this kind of study because it's ridiculously expensive. And until a benevolent billionaire comes along who's like, yeah, you know. I've got more money than I know what to do with. Let's, let's do all kinds of nutrition and cancer research studies. But I will say this. There is one really awesome study 
that Dean Ornish did. And he took prostate cancer patients that were early stage and put them on a plant-based diet and added exercise and stress management and put them on this program. And within a year, all of their PSAs had reversed. So he proved that a plant-based diet plus exercise and stress management reversed the progression of early stage prostate cancer. The only reason he got permission to do that was because it was early stage prostate cancer, which is typically slow growing. If you tried to do that same study, and people have with, let's say, breast cancer, you know, you know stage two or three or colon cancer or whatever, they, they, get, they don't get approval because uh, the argument is, well, no, but they need standard of care first. So sure, you can try that after they've gone through all the surgery, chemo, and radiation that you know they're supposed to have. And if they're still alive and they still have cancer, sure, you know you can try your uh, nutritional approach and see if it helps. But I mean, for those people, a lot of them, it's just too late. I mean, they're they're wrecked by all those treatments, right? They've been burned on the inside, head to toe. And their immune systems destroyed, their elimination and detoxification systems and organs are destroyed, their nervous system is a wreck. I mean, you know, they're just in really bad shape. The, the, the reality is the cancer industry, you know, even the, the best oncologists in the world, and when I say best, I mean the ones that really do care about people and didn't just go into it because it was a lucrative career, are trapped in a system that pays them really well to do what they do despite the results. So it really doesn't matter if their patients get well, they're gonna get paid anyway, right? It's like the famous quote uh, from Moliere, uh, I believe medicine is the best of all trades because whether you do any good or not, you still get your money. You know, I am a huge fan of the career of Chris Work and you're just warming up. And, <laughs> and well, I'm a huge fan of Robin. Uh, <laughs> so we're, we, we, yeah, we're, I'm so glad we met and, um, it's just been really fun. You've been a really fun friend to have in the health and wellness world. And we're surrounded by a lot of crazy, weird people, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, good. I feel really strongly that everyone should have Chris's 20 questions for your oncologist. It's literally the best piece I've ever written, um, on cancer. And I've read read way more than my share. So get that at greensmoothiegirl.com slash Chris. And Chris, my brother, thank you so much for being on my podcast, sharing as you have many, many times on live stages and your own site. Make sure you tune in to Chris Beat Cancer because he has new stories coming out all the time of people he travels to learn more about their story and share it with us. So thank you. Thank you, Robin. It's a pleasure. 